Good morning. Welcome to Susquehanna Valley Church. Absolutely thrilled that you're here with us. Uh, had an incredible week this week. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we had our, our teens, we call it one week. And one week is where they just, they, they take a week and, and do some incredible activities. There's a lot of competition, but really the whole thing is about spiritual growth and, and reaching teens. And uh, just wanted to let you know that last night, right over here, it's still a little wet. We had uh, eight teens baptized last night, displaying their commitment to Christ. I love it. We talk about you know passion and obligation for the next generation. That doesn't happen without the support of uh, people who serve and who volunteer or people who give towards the ministry. But I love it. We, we you know we we have this culture where we care greatly about student ministry. We care greatly about children's ministry. And it's nice to see that culture produce uh, some incredible results. I got. Uh, a note from somebody a couple weeks ago, and uh, the note is a quote by John Maxwell, and it says that true success comes only when every generation continues to develop the next generation. True success o- comes only when every generation continues to develop the next generation. And that's got to be true of the church. We have to have the, the developer side of this. And so I'm so thankful for your support in helping us to have a ministry that is incredible as we raise up the next generation. I've said it before, we want there to be a church after us. We want there to be people preaching and praising God after we're on, on the face of this earth. And so, uh, yeah, w- would love for you to continue praying for them. Uh, I want to let you know next week, again, is our vote to do the renovation for the, the kids' ministry, the next generation wing. And we'd love to have you uh, to come out and vote. If you're a member, you can vote. Otherwise, you can just be part of it. That'll be between services on the 22nd. So looking forward to that. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. We've got a fall picnic coming up September 19th, mission trip we've been talking about in October. If you're interested, um, that, that's on August 26. Um, and we'd love to, that the meeting is on August 26, not the mission trip. Um, and we'd love to have you come out and just, uh, just figure out some information about that and see if that's something God's calling you to, which would be incredible to have you join us for that. But let, let's pray and ask God to teach us this morning. Lord, we give all the credit to you for what happened in the lives of those teens. You have worked within so many leaders and volunteers through Connor, through uh, the, the students themselves, and Lord, all the praise goes to you. And I pray, Lord, that that would just warm our heart as we get to be part of what you're doing. Um, we thank you for that. Lord, give us wisdom this morning as we look at the, first, uh, the book of First John, that it would be something that we would see immediately the relevance to our lives and we'd be inspired to, to let it kind of merge into our lives and, and, and affect us and, and change the way that we live. We ask this in your son's name, amen. So we're going to be in the book of First John for the next couple of weeks. I really enjoy the book. The more I study it, the more that I like it. And uh, um, you know, for, for me, like I, I need to understand sort of how a book works in the big picture before I understand all the little little individual pieces. And so uh, the book of First John is, is not really written like a, a logical article where he's making a point and backing it up. It's more of like this flowing poetic sermon. It's written by the same guy who writes the Gospel of John, where the Gospel of John, he's really stressing belief. It's all about believing in Jesus. It's through belief that you can be forgiven of your sins. It's through belief that you cross over from death to life. It's belief that gives you life after death. And so like in the book of John, belief is your literal lifeline. Like everything hinges on what you believe about Jesus. And so then he writes, he writes first John 
because he wants people to know that they do believe. He wants them to be able to see that this is something that's real in their life because belief is something where you can't just look at a person and say, oh, okay, well, you believe in Jesus Christ. You can't just physically see that on a purpose, on a person. So what John does is he writes 1 John and he says, this is how you know that you believed. I wrote John so that you would believe. Now I'm going to write this so that you know you believe, so that you can live with a confidence in life. It's this sort of means of authenticating your faith. Is it genuine? Is it real? All right. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I tried to sell something on Facebook Marketplace, and you know how that goes. You're basically answering a bunch of requests from people who aren't really interested. Uh, but one thing in particular, and it, was, uh, it cost a little more money, and I had somebody show some interest in it, and uh, they sent me a message, and they said, I'd like to purchase that. Would you accept gold? I was like, what is this, the Old West? I feel like, like, and I'm thinking like, I would have to become a prospector or something. Like I need to carry around a pickaxe. I just can't commit to that. That's too much. Like how, how would I know, like how would I know that this is real? Like he could just paint a, a brick gold and I wouldn't know any different, you know? So he, and he was like, well, we could take it somewhere and get it authenticated and then you could turn it into money. I was like, well, go ahead and I'll take the money because I, I can't, I, like I don't know how to figure out if what you're saying is accurate. I can't authenticate it. Now, somebody would have a means to be able to do that and they'd be able to test it and say, yes, this is actually gold. Well, what John is doing in 1 John is he's saying, I, I want you to know how you can authenticate your belief, how you can see that it's real and genuine, and that's going to give you a confidence in life. And so at 1 John, uh, he gives us really the, the point as he writes to sort of the church leaders in, in, in house churches and he says this in 1 John 5, 13. He says, I write these things to you. So everything that came before, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He doesn't want you to walk around thinking, do I have it? Do I got it? Is this real? Maybe he says, no, I want you to live with a certainty that you believe in Jesus and the promises of Jesus are yours. Actuality, not, not in, in just theory. And so he's trying to bring about a confidence that we've been saved by Jesus because he wants to encourage us to stop worrying about that and to just live it out. And for John, that's all, that's all sort of the core here is that the authenticity shows up in the day-to-day -day life. It's not how many questions you can answer, but it's what, what your life actually lived out as he, he's going to take the core teaching of Jesus that, that God is light and so in him there's no darkness. He's going to take the idea of love and he's going to use those as the two key indicators to determine whether or not we have authentic faith in Jesus Christ, right? And for him, it really all centers around one word, one, one little word that is like the key indicator. And so I'll read 1 John 1, 3, it says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also, you also may have fellowship, there's our word, that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. That word fellowship is key. That's, that's to him is, is like, that's the gauge by which you know whether or not you believed in Jesus and you've been forgiven of your sins. It's through the dynamics of a relationship with God carried out in your life. See, that word fellowship is a word that means partnership. 
It's a word where there's a joint participation in something. There's, there's a binding together and a walking together in, in life. And for John, that walk and that relationship is this indication that your faith is legitimate. If you go throughout life walking with God, you don't have to doubt that you have a relationship with God. It's indicated by your fellowship. I think of fellowship like this. I'm, I'm a baseball fan and, and I like the Milwaukee Brewers. And so if I'm gonna see a game, I've either drive, drive in 13 hours to get to Milwaukee or I'm gonna go see him play in Philly. And so every time I go in Philly, I, I'm a little nervous because I haven't been treated with the warmest of welcomes. I remember sitting down at a playoff game uh, when the Brewers were in the playoffs in, like the first time in forever, and I was sitting up in the, the cheap seats at, at Philly Stadium in Citizens Bank, and, and this guy sees me. I'm, I just show up. I sit down. I'm not going to make trouble. I just want to watch the game. And I got my Brewers hat on. And this guy turns around. like He sees it out of the corner of his eye. He just can't believe that I would be here. And he, he looks and he goes, oh, great. The whole stadium, and there's one of them right behind me. That's it. This is ruined. Like, I, I'm just, like, it's just a hat, man. I'm just going to watch the game. Like, it's a Philly fans, like, I love you, but I don't know. You don't love me. So we went this time, we went this past year, and, and I was shocked to see about 10 other Brewers fans. And every one of them would, would say to me, they're like, oh, man, that's awesome. We got we to gotta stick together. We got to cheer together. Like, there's not a lot of us here. And, and like, if, if I did that, if I was like, okay, you're right. We've got to change our seats. We're going to sit next to you. Uh, we're going to go get food together. And we're going we're gonna to do the wave together. Like, that's, that's sort of like fellowship where you're, you're bound together through something common. We have the, the same desire to see the brewers win, and then we're gonna, we're gonna live it out. And that's, that's fellowship to John, and that, that is just huge to him as we live out life as a partnership with God. And as he writes that, that just kind of blows his mind, that we could walk in step with Jesus Christ in a spiritual relationship as we live this life where you've been with him so much and so long, that for you, there's no doubt I've walked with him. I hear people who have like had these stories of their faith being deconstructed and them walking away. And, and, and I'm like, I just don't see it. I've walked with him for so long. I've seen it so real for so many different moments. I couldn't, I, I would have to like look back at my life and just write up so many mini miracles as just random coincidence. So many opportunities where where God just does the incredible thing out of nowhere. And walking with him and seeing those things is a means of authenticating our faith. See, it, it, it's, it's like you're going for a walk with somebody else and you don't just ignore them on the whole walk. You're, you're walking with them is the experience that, that John wants us to have. And really, this is, this is what makes Christianity so incredibly unique. So incredibly unique because every other religion is about earning your way to some sort, gaining some sort of approval from a deity. You do enough good things and then the, the deity approves of you and, and then you can just go about life continuing to keep him in good favor. What Christianity says is Jesus took care of the approval process on the cross. When he died, his righteousness became a gift to us in our sin and in our guilt so that through faith we can be forgiven. The approval is taken care of. Amen. So now we walk and step with God. 
And that relationship and that fellowship is, to John, it's like, it's the completeness of what Christianity is all about. It's kind of this full circle of, hey, we're all in here together. We're, we're following for the next seven days till we get back. We're going to live and walk in step with the same God. And we're going to come back and we're going to praise him together. So there's fellowship with us. And that fellowship goes vertically with God and with the Son and with the, the Spirit. And, and so um, the, the thing is that we're bound to God mutually together and walking with him. Right? So I, I love the way Thomas Constable, who just writes an incredible work about the book of 1 John, and a lot of what I say is going to be influenced by him, but uh, he, he says this. He said, John's purpose in writing was to motivate his readers to cultivate greater intimacy with God. To cultivate greater intimacy with God. That you grow closer and closer. You don't settle for a casual, distant relationship with him. If you want to know he's real, if you want to know that belief has had an influence in your life, then walk with him. Draw closer to him. It's like in his mind, there's varying degrees of intimacy in your relationship with God. Like he could just be the, the neighbor you don't talk to. He could be the casual acquaintance or, or he could be your closest friend. I love when I hear the teens share their testimony. They talk about Jesus, not as distant and far off, but as very near and real as they go through life, hand in hand, step in step with him. And, and, and so this is, this is like, this is the best for John. This is the best of the best. And he wants you to have as much of it as you can. I think back to uh, when I was a waiter in a restaurant, I told the teens, uh, I spoke for them on Wednesday, I told them a bunch of gross stories from time in a restaurant, somebody choking and throwing up and then, I, I can't even finish the story, it's too gross. So somebody stabbing somebody in the arm with a fork and like just different. I loved working in a restaurant, never a dull moment. But I worked at a buffet restaurant, right? I worked at a buffet and, and, and so I wanna, give you, I wanna give you my advice if you ever go to a buffet for somebody who worked at a buffet for like six years, okay? Um, so the first piece of advice, I'm only gonna give you two. Um, the first piece of advice is don't trust everything. All right, don't trust it because there are other people that walk past it and looked at it before you got there. And I'll never forget seeing people come and stick their finger in the mashed potatoes to see if they're warm enough. Or seeing somebody go down and take a bite out of every spoon to see what they like to put on their plate. Now, look, I'm sorry if you're going to a buffet for lunch. I can recommend some other places. <laughs> but here's, here's the other thing. Like, the buffets are designed to make money, so they put all kinds of filler things out there to, to just take up space so you can't eat as much of the more expensive stuff. So I always said, like, why not just go right to the prime rib? Skip the rolls. Skip the potatoes. Skip the french fries. Go right to the, like, go right to the good stuff. Get, get the most of it as you can. If it's the best, get the most. And, and so John writes First John, and he's going, fellowship with God, is, that's the best. Get the most of it that you can. It's free. You just walk in step with him. Get the most of it that you can. Get the most of the best. We only have so much time, and so let's live getting the most of the best. And John says, that's, a, that's complete joy. That's, like, that's as good as it gets for him to have this walk in life with God. And so he wants us to have a genuine relationship because the genuine relationship produces complete joy. And so he says, this is how you then authenticate. This is how you know whether or not you're genuinely, genuinely a believer. 
it's like if you look at the gauges, remember back in the day when cars had like the gauges with the little thing and they're not all digitalized, you know, like you could look at the gauge and see like, okay, the tank is empty or full or, you know, this is hot or cold. John says the, the, the indicators, the gauges for fellowship are light and love, light and love. And so let's talk about light and then we'll talk about love. Uh, fellowship with God is enjoyed as we walk in the light. First John uh, 1 and verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare, declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. There's nothing ethically impure or evil or wrong or sinful about God. He's pure. He is, he's in the light. He is the light. So if we claim, now that's a key term in the, the if we they're big in the book of 1 John because what happened in all these house churches, there were some, some people that just left. Christianity wasn't for them. And then they, they started to kind of create this, this alternate religion where you didn't really need Jesus. You didn't, like, there's no such thin, thing as sin. And, and so John, as he's writing to say, hey guys, this is how you know you're authentic. He's at the same time saying, but this is what the counterfeit looks like. And so you don't want to look like that. So if we claim, like they would, if we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, like contradictory, right? We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, there's our word, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, so that, that's something they're saying, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, this whole thing, this is nothing new. John's not like giving new information that he didn't give in the book of John. He's just repackaging it so that we can understand what it means to have a genuine faith, which looks like a genuine relationship, which looks like we walk in love. Not just a claim where we walk in darkness. See, a relationship with God can't exist in claim only. Can't exist in claim only any more than I can claim to be a, a protege of Michael, Jackson, uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, and, and he spent, you know, decades with me and developed me and played, you know, trained me to play basketball. And then if we were to go out on the court and I can't dribble and I can't shoot, you'd look at me and say, oh, wait a second, I don't think you actually spent any time with Michael Jordan. Because none of it showed up in life. And so John's going, look, you, you can't possibly claim to be in the light without Jesus, without trusting in him, without believing in him, without that authentic relationship. He said that, that would be living a lie. No, it's a walk. And, and so if, if I were to sum it up, walking in the light is not sinning. That's ethically good and, uh, uh, you know, we're avoiding the evil and the wrong that the that God defines, not sinning, and then loving one another equals walking in the light. And that's fellowship, and fellowship is complete joy. Not sinning, loving one another is walking in the light. And so John's really just pointing to Jesus. See, that's, that's what he did. Jesus was the light of the world. There's no darkness in him. There's no, there's no ill attitude. There's no hidden motive. There's no secret agenda. Je Jesus is just loving He's pure. And so the idea is if we spend time with the light of the world, we walk in light. And we step in turn with him where John looks and he sees darkness is preventative to a healthy relationship with God. Darkness is a pre preventative measure to a healthy relationship with God. It's, it's like an interruption 
of a fellowship, of a relationship. And his heart is that we would, we would understand that sin is just like living in the darkness and following God is like walking in the light. Now, I'm pretty sure that when the sun goes down, none of you leave the lights off, you know, from, from eight to 10 o'clock and walk around the house in the dark because light has its advantages. You can see where you're going. You can see what to do. You, 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 can, you can see, you know what's safe. John wants us to walk in the light with an awareness of how God sees this world and what we're supposed to do here. Do you ever have somebody before you are fully awake turn the light on? Do you ever have that happen? Where it's like totally dark and somebody just puts a light on or they shine a flashlight in your eyes. It's just, whoa. Here's kind of my take on what I think happens. I think we have parts of our life where we like to kind of keep them dark, like sin areas that we don't like to let God work in. And for us to consider letting that be in the light, it's like, it, man, it's like a cringe part to it where it's like, I don't want to like turn that light off. It's too bright. But what John's doing is he's saying, if you want complete joy, you gotta have the light. You have to see, I understand there's an adjustment period. I understand to walk away from selfishness, to walk away from sin, is, I mean, that, that's, you're giving up something that feels dear to you, but in reality, it's darkness. And John wants us to have light and to walk in light so that we can connect with God and walk with him. We walk in step with him. The more accustomed to the light we are, the more we, we dread the darkness. If I were to turn all the lights off in your house, in fact, I, I grew up, I knew a guy who, uh, when he was single, he could get away with this when he was single. Uh, he went around in his house and he, this was like pre-LED days, and he swapped all the light bulbs out from like 100 or 60 watt light down to 15 watts so he could save money on his electric bill. And I would always be like, how much, like, how much are you saying? I'll give you five bucks. It would just be nice to be able to see you when I come hang out. Like, I don't want to trip when we go down the basement stairs. Like, what do you need? I'll cover it, you know? And then all of a sudden, he got married. And his wife was like, look, this isn't going to work. I need to be able to see you. I got to be able to see where I'm going, right? And, and, and so like the light, light is a good thing. And when you've got a relationship, the more light there is, the more visibility there is, the, the less impurity there is, the better it is. And that's what John's doing. John's going, look, you, you believe, but why not experience the fullness of what you believe? Walk in the light. See what God does in the light. Now, that no way means, and here's kind of the trick, right? That no way means that you're never going to, it doesn't mean that you're not going to sin ever again. Like this side of heaven, we're, we're going to sin. That's just, that's life. And that's temptation of being in a body of flesh that wants things that it wants. And so we're going to sin. But what John says, we don't have to claim to be without sin because Jesus has already built in a countermeasure to be able to address that. It's called confession. The cross didn't just pay for what happened, it paid forward. And, and confession is this, I'm gonna say the same thing about my sin that God would say about it. And then I'm gonna to go to him and I'm gonna be cleansed. It doesn't kick me out of the house, it just turns the light on. That's what Jesus is doing in our lives. He's trying to bring light to it so that he can bring joy to it so that we walk more in step with him. But he's absolutely ready to deal with us in the most loving and gracious way when we fall. And so what happens is this reality where, where I find myself, the more I walk with Jesus, I find myself more inclined to want the lights to be on than off. Because I understand how pleasing and satisfying a relationship with, his, with God is compared to how shameful 
sin and darkness is. So this is where John says that it's like darkness is passing away. Like that, that should be dying in our lives as we let light live, live forth within us. And, and this isn't like, man, you better like be in the light. That's how I grew up. I grew up in a church where it was like, you shouldn't sin. You better not sin. And John's saying, why would you want to? Like it's darkness. There's love over here. So why would you live? There's love in the light. So why would you live in darkness? And so Jesus knows our struggle and he wants us in the light anyway. So for him, that's, that's like, that's the first gauge is light. How much of your life displays this ethically good lifestyle as a result of spending time with Jesus Christ? The second indicator is love. This is the second, that's, that's the authentication of your fellowship. First John 2 and verse 5, but if anyone obeys God's word, love for God, this is, this is an incredible statement, love for God is truly made complete in them. Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. He says, you want complete love or you just want like 50% love? Complete love is letting God's love show through you. It's letting, it, it's letting God's love motivate you in your heart to be loving towards other people around you, to be kind to the person who frustrates you, to be forgiving to the person who has wronged you, that you would love them. And, and then all of a sudden, what hap- you know what happens? Is your life starts to look like Jesus's in the way that he loved people and the grace and the mercy that he showed. And the more that you walk and step with him, the more that becomes obvious. I mean, Jesus is literally the epitome of love. He's the perfect example. And then he says, look, if you're gonna walk with me, I, I want you to be that to your children, to your in-laws, to your, to your annoying neighbor. I, I want you to love them because that's, that's how this, that's what we do. Like where I went to the Brewers game and we cheered for the Brewers and that's what we did. Like this is the Christian thing that we do together is we love one another well. We love God and we love others and that's what, that's what makes love complete. That we would follow these sort of God-given impulses to love someone when he puts it on our heart. I promise you, if you're sensitive, you're asking God, how can I love people? I promise you, you'll have more opportunities than you ever imagined. There's so many opportunities to love other people, but the trick is this, is they're not always gonna be easy. And we tend to take the easy ones. And I think God often puts the difficult ones out there to teach us a lesson, that this is not about what we do on our strength. It's not about how love can jump up from within us out of nowhere. It's about how love carries through from the Father to the Son to me to the world. That love would be made complete, where in effect, you love with Jesus's love. You love your world with Jesus' love for you. And what that, what that does is, is it pulls us closer in fellowship with each other and pulls us closer in fellowship with God, which is the most of the best that you can have. It, it, it's kind of it's like this. Think of all the times that you have throughout the day to love somebody. Think, think of Monday morning at work or you know, Tuesday evening when the, the kids are going to sleep or whatever, when you're on vacation and, and you, you meet the hotel clerk. Or, you know, these are all opportunities to love. And I want you to understand something. It's not just about an opportunity to love that person. It's an invitation to a greater fellowship with God. It's an invitation to experience a greater relationship with him because you get to know more about love. And you get to experience his love moving through you. And it's like, it's like you accomplish teamwork together. 
And that strengthens everything that we have in our relationship with God. It makes complete the love of God. And, and so maybe it's spending a couple of minutes to call the person who is forgotten. Maybe it's reaching out to that person you haven't seen in a while or, or to give somebody who is vulnerable to help them out. These things call for sacrifice. And that's exactly what God's love was for us, where he sacrificed his life on the cross so that we could have fellowship with him. See, the key for John is that fellowship, that fellowship, the emphasis is not on what you know. It's not on all the answers you have to all the questions on the test. Fellowship to God is about that ethically pure walking in the light, that morally pure walk in the light, and your ability to love. And that's, that's the emphasis for him. That's what he stresses, that if you want to have an authentic faith, it's, it's not the result of knowing all the right answers, it's living this. It's living it out day to day with love. So um, two, two big challenges for us this morning. One, in a world obsessed with being your best self. So I'm not sure if you've heard that, but that's a, that's a big thing where I want to be the best version of myself. In a world obsessed with being your best self, it only really comes from walking with God. It only comes from spending time with him as he shapes and refines and you look more like Jesus. The more you look like Jesus, the better you look, the better you are, because that's how he designed you. Your highest potential as a human is in direct proportion to your fellowship with God. Your highest potential as a human is in direct proportion to your relationship with God. Uh, Constable says it this way. He says, our intimacy with God perfects our personalities. You, you walk away better for it. You walk out of it changed. And if you don't believe me, think about back to the days when before following Jesus was the thing you did if you, if you didn't grow up in the church. And look now to the way that he's made you loving and caring and compassionate because you can't spend real time with him and come out looking the same. It changes who you are. And the more you follow, the more you are like him. And, and so I want us to be people that say, look, if, if, we want to be, if we want to be the best version of ourselves, then you'll only find it as you walk in step with Jesus Christ. And he, he's in charge of the renovation. He's in charge of the restoration. I've been watching on YouTube lately these videos of this guy who will take some like old lighter that's just like corroded and, and broken or this old ax that's chipped and it's rusted and the handle's broken. And, and it all, there's no talking, it's just him repairing it. It's cool. I love it. I'm like, this is the perfect show for me. I don't got to listen. I just sit there and watch. And he takes these things and I, I showed one of them to my kids the other day. And they were just mesmerized as he took this like 100-year-old lighter that was rusted. You couldn't, it didn't work. You couldn't even tell what it was. And, and then he just gradually refines it. He takes some of the corrosion off. He removes some of the rusty pieces. He polishes it. And you look at it and it's like brand new. Wow. Man, that's, that's, that's what time with God does for us. And if it doesn't, then you got to look and say, well, am I walking in the light? Am I letting his love be complete as I love the people around me? Because Jesus is in the process of restoring us. And the more that you're restored, the more confident you are of your faith in Jesus Christ. Not because of how good you are, but because of what he's done. Because you've seen firsthand, you've had your personal experience of restoration. Second thing, second challenge is this. So first one, if you want to be your best self, it will only come from walking with God. Second one is this. Um, if, if we talk about love and light. Um, love never comes at the expense of light. Love never comes at the expense of light. 
What do I mean by that? I mean, look, you can't call it love if there's jealousy, if there's envy, if there's bitterness, if there's gossip, if there's slander. That's not love. And so in John's mind, it's like here's love and here's light. And those two, they go together well, but you can't have love and darkness. That doesn't work. And so for me, as I look, uh, look at us as a church, this is why we, we call ourselves, we say we have a source, we're a source of grace, not drama, because we want to be about love. Even dealing with the difficult things where you've got relationships where you don't see eye to eye, I want us to deal with them in grace. That we're a church, church that's a source of grace, not drama, where we focus on the love and we don't let darkness taint it. We don't let darkness corrupt it. I grew up and uh, like everybody else in this world, we have our natural tendencies. And one of my, one of my struggles, especially early on in, uh, in, well, probably young adult stage, where I was learning what love looked like. And, and I found myself sort of naturally like moving towards someone if I loved them and moving away from someone if I didn't, if I didn't feel loved or didn't feel valued. And so there's a word for that. It's called manipulation. where We move towards someone or we move away from someone to get what we want. And John's writing this, that wouldn't be love because it's not in the light. There's, you can't have a good outside and not have it be true on the inside. You gotta match, right? So fall is just around the corner. And uh, I love fall. It's my favorite time of the year. I like to spend time in the woods hunting. I like to just be by a campfire and a hoodie. It just it feels good. Um, and one of the things that I, I always thought is interesting is the fall snacks. You got like pumpkin pie, and you got pumpkin, well, pumpkin everything. But then you've got, well, so that looks like a caramel apple, but that's a caramel onion. And that comes from my days as when I was a young adult and youth leader. And like, for some reason, youth pastors, like, we, they like to mess with teens. I don't know. It's apparently like this rite of passage where you've got to prank your teens. And so, uh, and so I, we did this like fall barn party. And instead of caramel apples, we had a caramel onion eating contest. We just forgot to tell them what they were eating before they took a bite. And so, uh, and so we said, all right, we're going to have our, our, you know, our whatever we called it, caramel apple contest. I don't know. And uh, whoever, whoever eats this is the first is the winner. And you got like three people up there. And, and, and let me just tell you, it's not easy to get an onion to hold caramel on the outside. It, was, that, it took a lot of work. It was worth it. And, and to see them bite into it, and they're like, they're so excited to eat this caramel apple. And then they're like, ah, oh, oh I, uh, why? Why did you do this? Like, this is gross. And, and so like the, and every, like the people who were slow to bite were like, what's going on here? And, and it's just funny watching, like some people are in tears as they still try to eat it to win. And then there's one girl in the corner, Mary Claire, who just ate the whole thing without even batting an eye. It's like, that, why? That's gross. You guys can stop. It was just a joke. It, it, look, what John wants is he wants authenticity. You, you can't authenticate what's not authentic. It'll prove to be false. And John, John it, it's very important to him to deal with the core matters of our heart, light and love. That you're a person that walks in genuine moral goodness. As a, as that, that's your goal. You might not be perfect, but you're walking in step with Jesus, so you're living in the light. And, and that you would live in love. Why? Because he wants the, the whole way through for Jesus and his fellowship to, to have its influence through not just your heart, but through your actions the whole way through. And so his appeal in the, in the book of John, 1 John, is to say, look, I want you to have confidence 
You know how you have the confidence? By, by having the most of the best there is in life. Fellowship with God. And that fellowship with God is the result of you spending time with him as you walk in the light and you live out his love so that his love is made complete in you. That's my hope for you, that you have the most of the best as you walk in fellowship with God. Let's pray. Our God and Father, I just thank you so much for your mercy and your compassion, Lord. I thank you for the way that you love us. Lord, I pray that we're not afraid of light, despite what it may reveal in our life and, and how we're afraid of, of letting you work in a, in a given area of our life. I just know, Lord, that whatever we put in the light, you turn out better. You make it better. You change it. You rework it. And Father, I just pray that we would be a people that have an authentic belief. I know we're not gonna be perfect, but God, I pray that we walk in the light and we live in love. And we ask that in your son's name, amen.